On this episode of A Tale of Two Rival, Devonta Smith is emerging. TJ Hawkinson, is it time to bail? And Stevenson, that freight train in New England. Stay tuned. Welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by a three-peat, go with your gut, all he does is win, champion. Yes, yes, that's me. And, mm-mm, incorrect. You are <laughs> indeed the numbers-loving, spreadsheet-obsessed, lovable loser, nerd. And we tried to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who else is in my presence? Yes, I'm Dave. Uh, who am I? I am Dave at F underscore Spaceman, right? And Todd, I'm excited to be going over our second episode of the week. Todd, we are at like 20 episodes for the season. No, actually, sorry. Correction. I think we're at like 28 episodes for the season, which is our best yet. This season, 2021, has been a lot of fun. I really enjoy this new format. And I'm excited to get into uh, my takes for the day. On that note, hey, buddy, let's get into your takes. Let's start with Devonta Smith, who, in case people haven't Devonta been keeping track. Smith. Yes, Devonta, Devonta Smith. It's like Leviosa uh, Smith has played in all 10 games for Philadelphia Eagles this season. And he is top 10 in route participation at 93%. So this is a little reminder, a flash across the screen. That wide receiver BMI is not predictive of NFL success and has no correlation whatsoever to NFL or fantasy success whatsoever. We've talked about this a lot in years past, episodes past. I just want to say, Devonta Smith, I'm jinxing him now, but yeah. Starting first and foremost, Todd, we care about volume. And this is what we're looking for out of first-round wide receivers in the rookie season. A 24% target share is. Oh, it's freaking sexy, man. To, now, 6.7 targets per game. That's not that's not as promising. That's like 38th ranked among wide receivers in fantasy this season. But people need to remember that that Philadelphia is ranked on uh, the bottom five in pass volume this year. And they are second to last in neutral game pass to rush ratio. So at 51%. So yes, what we care about more in what's predictive year to year is the percentage of the offense, but this year, Philadelphia is a little bit lower volume, and we're seeing that, so 6.7 targets per game. So yes, while he's only 38th in targets per game, Smith is 12th in air yards at 954 air yards, and 14th in air yards market share at 36%, and with a fifth overall A dot among wide receivers with 40 targets or more, he is being very efficient on the volume that he's getting. And so what does this translate to? It means that he's earning a large portion of his offense. And while the overall target volume is low in Philadelphia at the moment, his air yards and air yards market share are making his targets extremely valuable. And that's being translated into his efficiency. 
I wouldn't say he's being very efficient, but he's being efficient for a rookie. He is second among all rookies behind Jamar Chase in EPA, which is not a, necessarily a fantasy stat, a fantasy stat, but it's an overall like expected points added for NFL points added. He is second among rookies. He's also second among rookies or 22nd among all wide receivers in fantasy points over expected wide receiver 35 in points per game and wide receiver 25 overall. But these are solid numbers to what we're talking about for a rookie. And so what is this all like? All right. So we went through the numbers, went through the efficiency, the volume, all this stuff. What does this mean? What do, I, what do you take away from this? Is that I think he's solidly within the top 20 dynasty wide receivers at this moment. And I think if he continues at this pace for the rest of the season, or even if he has maybe uh, rookie wide receivers, that they have a strong second half. And if Devonta Smith continues what he did earlier this week and has, continues on that pace, he could be a top 12 to 15 wide receiver if if things keep trending in the right direction. I think he's the top target for rebuilding teams looking to unload their Devonte Adams, their even Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hills. If you're looking to gain some assets, Devonta Smith plus is the package I want to start with. And he's my rookie wide receiver three overall right now. But honestly, he probably deserves to be the wide receiver two. But I'm intentionally being stubborn with Rondale Moore for multiple reasons. I don't want to get into that this episode. I, uh, but yeah, he's he is performing very well, Todd. Devonta Smith. <laughs> he's currently my wide receiver 21. <clears throat> my number three. Uh, rookie wide receiver because I don't hate on Jalen Waddle like you do, David. I just don't. All right. I mean, and the six fancy points that separate them. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I yeah. just don't. I just don't. I just. I'm just gonna stick with Waddle. I also like Tua more than like like Hurts. I just do. Anyways, so no, I love this man. I mean, the number one thing that really stuck out in the whole conversation for me was is when you talk about the BMI piece. And, like, I never really understood why that was ever a thing with wide receivers. Why would BMI really matter to a great degree? Now, granted, like, a bigger wide receiver is very attractive to me if they're an uber athlete. Like, I was wrong on DK. On film, he just looked stiff. He didn't look like somebody who could be dynamic. I was wrong. So, like, Traylon Burks is a guy that, like, I would like his profile more than maybe a Devontae Smith. But... I would have taken Devontae Smith over Traylon Burks if they were in the same class because Devontae Smith was disgusting, and he was by far the best value in rookie drafts at his position and possibly period because he was going to like late first. I even saw some places that he was taken in the second. It was gross. And now we're starting to see what kind of player that he is. And yeah, I, I the NFL is also looking for players like Devontae Smith. Quicker, separation, dynamic. They want those kind of players. Like, Xavier Worthy is about to blow up in a few years, and he's a similar kind of player and a similar kind of build to a Devontae Smith. But because Devontae Smith has been able to show that that's possible at the next level to be that good at, like, his stature, that's why guys like Xavier Worthy are going to be able to have their opportunity. You spinning, spinning, son of... I'm just kidding. Next take. Now, I want to do this with TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson isn't making the jump to the elite tiers of tight ends, at least as part of this iteration of the Detroit offense. It's not happening. Many, pe- many people were hoping for this, including myself. I was, I was loving TJ Hawkinson this offseason, and it's not happening this season. He's a tight end five on the season, but he's tight end seven in points per game. 
And admittedly, this does feel like a little bit like kicking someone while he's down after Hawkinson's week 10 performance of zero fantasy points. It was not a good, <laughs> it was not good for Hawkinson against Pittsburgh this week. But diving a little deeper, looking at his expected points per game, which is a road of his metric, that's a great way to look at volume. Last season, Hawk was at 11.5 fancy, uh, expected fancy points per game. And this season, 11.4 fancy point expected or expected fancy points per game. Not the jump we were uh, hoping for whatsoever. Now, I can tweet, I can play with some numbers here and squint. And if we don't include last week, he had 12.8 expected points per game. And so he did, he's seen a slight improvement overall here, but I'm not going to squint. I'm going to be real and just say, like, look, he is not taking the jump we were, we were looking for. And then last season, he had an 18% target share. And this season, it's at 20% despite Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, Kenny Galladay leaving. And, and heck, the way Jamal Agnew's playing in, in Jacksonville, Jam- Agnew's gone too. And he still only has a 20% target share. So, and then I, I want to look at the bigger picture here. And you can't necessarily blame Hawkinson for not taking the next step. You can't blame it on Jared Goff for the Lions because, at least according to the numbers, Hawks' catchable target percentage is 82%. That's that's extreme. That's a very nice number. And then the Lions are using him 55% of the time uh, out of the slot, which is what you want to see with your tight ends. You want to put them out wide against some some corners. So they're using him well. And also, Todd, he's top three among all tight ends in route participation at 85%. So the Lions are using him well. And Jared Goff is giving him a decent opportunity to make some plays here. But Hawk has not taken the next step forward. I think it's like 40, 45, 50 points between him and the tight end one. That's a big gap between. But I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I want to circle back to some of the, the marginal things, the peripherals with with Hawk and his target per, his targets per game. This uh this season are up to 7.1. It was 6.5 targets per game last year. His target share, like I said, is up two percent. And he's being used uh and the Lions, they're using him the right way, like I mentioned. So Things are and in Goff is is giving him some catchable targets. So there are positive things to like about Hawkinson. And if we want to take away, if we're going to cut some corners, squint, and we take away week ten, Hawks points per game last season was eleven point three. Before this zero points last week, he was at thirteen point four. So not quite at the fifteen plus points per game we want from our elite tight ends, but a little step forward. But then again, you you factor in this this goose egg and it, it's back to like eh, meh so what does this all mean todd with hawkinson and i think the morale of hawk managers across the board is pretty low after him putting up the goose egg and not taking the leap that they were hoping so i think there's an ease of buy window for hawkinson i think he's still a top five six fancy tight end and if you can take advantage of people being down on him not taking the next step forward not and just like goose egging last week, I think it's worth trying to make a make a deal. Now, I'm not saying buy low by any means. Offer a fair market value trade, or try to make it a part of him part of a package where you're not trying to 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 piss off the other manager by doing a low ball offer. Don't do that with Hawkinson. But I think that's where we're at right now. I don't think he's a sell. I don't. I think it's just a realization of like he's not taking that huge step forward at least. As the Detroit Lions exist right now, it's not happening because things are not going great for the Detroit. That's kind of where I am on Hawkinson, Todd. 
And I think I think that's pretty reasonable overall. And this is about as hateful as I want to get right now. I'm going to take a victory lap in this one. I totally am. I said preseason in multiple episodes how I was not drafting TJ Hawkinson in any league. Do you remember this? Yeah, you were not hockey. Yeah, you don't. You are a late tight end guy, Todd, and that's usually I am too. And who was the guy I was targeting? You were targeting. Why don't you remind me, sir? Mike Gusecki. Who oh, I should have known this. Who had a goose egg in week one, but has taken off since. Th- yeah, the goose egg this week too, right on seven targets. You know what I mean? He's still the th- tight end three. My point is, is that. I do not like tight ends, investing in tight ends, a part of bad teams with bad quarterbacks. Yes, I like Hawkinson. I do think that he has a lot of potential. But all offseason, I was saying, take Kaseki over him. Value and capital investment. If you had Hawkinson, you could have traded for Kaseki and a crap load in the preseason. It was hype, hype, hype. Hawkinson absolutely could be a top five tight end, but he could also not be. I have him right now at six. I have him still right in front of Kaseki. With Kaseki, we're seeing a whole lot of production coming on where Hawkinson has more to give for his ceiling. That's why he's still ahead of him. But the point is, is that the value was their ADP. I want to say like preseason ADP. Probably like six fifth. rounds, six rounds minimum, dude. Like, yeah. come on, Friar Moon, Gasecki, Irv Smith, Hunter Henry, all guys I would love to invest in and just move on from Hawk. It's a streamable position, people. If you have a piece at tight end that's not named Pitts or Kelsey, trade their asses and get something that's more valuable at wide receiver. Running back, I mean, good luck with the QB piece and super flex. But the point is, is that like, you don't need to be holding on to the investment like that. You just don't. All right, rant over. No, I hear you, dude. And as a side note, as the tight end position overall this season, I faded Kelsey this year and I took some heat for it. He's taken a significant step back from like over 20 points per game. Now he's down to like 15, I think, per game. And, and that happens. Like, that's just, you revert back to the mean. And then Darren Waller, same thing. I was like, I don't, I don't think he was going to be at that 17, 18 points per game. I had him more down towards 15 points per game. I think he's even below that now. And then I actually said Kittle. I actually was expecting to take a little loop forward in the TD department, not seeing that with the injuries and everything. But so I didn't get that part right. But overall, I was like, Hey, let's fade these tight ends a little bit here at the top and attack Kittle. And Hawkinson now that ha- that that last part hasn't hasn't come to fruition, but yeah, tight end overall is down this season. All right, we, that's a lot of tight end talk, Todd. A lot of tight end talk. Oh, it gets me freaking heated. All right, let's go to the next one, bud. I enjoyed that though, Todd. I think it, we we sometimes ignore that on this pod, so I was glad we talked a little tight ends. Why don't people listen to me about tight ends? I'm right. Why, David? Why? Huh? Huh? Maybe it's my delivery. Okay. Sorry for yelling, everyone. All right. Go ahead, Dave. Because you don't have four rings, Todd. Only three. Oh, that burned. (laughs) So, all right. Next topic, Ramondre Stevenson, who's been a hot button topic on the tweet machine today. In case people slept walk through week 10, Ramondre had a big week 10 taking over the primary RB role in New England with Harris out with a concussion. He had a 62.5% opportunity share. 
19.6 weight opportunities. Remember, weight opportunities is a, it balances the value of targets and carries into one metric. 19.6 weight opportunities is very, very good. Anything over 15 is sexy. And 100 rush yards, two TDs, four wrecks on five targets, and another 14 receiving yards on top of the 100 yards rushing. Bottom line, he was the RB2 in the week. It was a sexy week for Ramondre. He looked good. He looked, he looked phenomenal, Todd. And on top of all, like just the county stats and the market share stats, whatever you want to freaking call it, he had an impressive 33% juke rate by breaking eight tackles uh, and having two big runs while getting over 60% of his yards after contact, despite getting hit at the line 40% of the time on his carries, Todd. It was a freaking sexy week against a Browns team, Todd. Heading into week 10 was top 10 in Football Outsiders. Rushing DVOA defense metric. So this is a freaking great week for Mondre. I, I think, and to, and one last thing about his week 10 performance, Todd, is that Ramondre had 25.2 expected fancy points, but despite having such a high volume, a high expected point, points volume, he still was 2.2 fancy points over expected, which is difficult to do on such a high volume. So it, it was just efficient week on top of a big volume week. It was it was a fun week for Montre Stevenson. People who drafted him should be feeling very good. Now, what does this all mean? I think people have to be. I don't want to. I got really excited, Todd, but I'm going to bring people back down to earth and say, yeah, he had the big game, but a little bit of so what? Because I think people need to realize that D- Damian Harris is still the RB one in this ba- backfield, New England, uh, and we need to tap the brakes on Montre hype now. Uh, we know Bill Belichick and how the Pats operate, and they're going to be sticking with with Harris when he's healthy, unless he, unless Todd, who Harris people people want to talk about Ramondre's fumbles. Harris has fumbled more than Ramondre, lost more fumbles than Ramondre. So unless Harris fumbles a couple more times, it's his job. My biggest takeaway here is is that congrats to everyone's third and fourth round rookie picks who picked Ramondre. Your picks hit. They have returned value. There, you have utility in those picks. You didn't pick a a freaking Dwayne Eskridge. Congratulations. You didn't pick Jonathan Adams Jr. Yes, you didn't do that, Todd. <laughs> so congratulations. You've had your pick have a nice return on investment. Excellent. And the thing is, is if Ramondre has a shot at volume in future games, you know that he's going to pay off based on what this game was. And even maybe if things shake right, he has a viable flex play option. But, Todd, that's not my only takeaway. Today, a tweet a little, a little took off a little bit. I tweeted that Ramondre Stevenson, I'm not sure if you saw this, Ramondre's five targets in his first start, Todd, in week 10. His five targets are more than Damian Harris has had in a single game in high school, college, or during his three-year NFL career. And, well... I'm only 95% positive on the high school part because they don't track targets. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa, whoa. Where are you getting your high school stats? I need to know. Uh, max preps. So Max preps? Yeah. Oh, I know them. Okay, never mind. Now, they don't track targets here, but he, his high for his junior season was eight receptions. If he had more than five targets, I'll be shocked. So 98% certain here. But anyway, regardless, very telling stat here in that I think it gives an insight into both players' ceilings. Ramondre's pass-catching ability, while not at Alvin Kamara level by any means, I'm not trying to say that at all, will give him a little bit higher ceiling than Harris if they both, like, regard, like if someone's getting, if one of, of them or both of them are getting a, a shot at a primary role. 
I think Ramondre's receiving ability gives him a little bit of higher ceiling. And while I think he's definitely, you're not trading him, he's worth a second round pick in, in Dynasty right now, rookie picks. He is, he's, return, he's been a solid return on investment. And I think Harris is still the lead back here. But overall, you've got to be happy with what Ramondre Stevenson did, Todd, because it was a great week. Now, don't take that too far. I think that's a pretty rational way to approach what Ramondre Stevenson just did. In the words of Andre from the league, child, please. I'm sorry. The Stevenson's thing is that, like, with Harrison still there, it tempers everything. I'm I'm not really diving into the whole Steven. He looked phenomenal. Like, that's the thing about the Patriots' backfield, and everybody knows this, is that lots of guys get work. It's not a backfield typically you want to invest in in fantasy. This year, I was pretty all in on Harris because it looked obvious that he was going to get that for this year, per se. I would say what you're looking at is right now is that when Harris is healthy, Stevens is taking a back seat, 100%. Next season, I could see that being a little different. I could see them trying to kind of work both of them in a little bit more. But Stevenson looked fantastic against the Browns. Like, I was watching the game with my father-in-law, and he's, you know, he's a Patriots fan, but he doesn't follow, like, who Stevenson was beforehand, so I had to explain to him, like, his background. He goes, so we've had him the whole time? I go, yeah, he's good. It's just, Harris is, he's just better. He's just a better player. So I think that that whole Cleveland game, and Matt Jones looked like he was going to win a Super Bowl by the way that he was playing. So, like, that game was insane. I did not see that coming. I loved every second of it. But the whole thing about Stevenson is pump the brakes. Yes, you hit a home run with your fourth round or third round picks. Go brag to your league. Freaking take that victory lap and run with it. Now, relax with that. If somebody gives you a pretty good offer for like a second for Stevenson, I'll jump all over that. They ask you for a third? Nah, I'll hold them to see what happens. But I also think that, like, you can kind of see some things happening next year with Stevenson getting more involved, for sure. Uh, Todd, I, I'll i be honest, dude. I I personally think Ramondre has a higher fancy upside. Uh, I think they're both very good runners in between the tackles and blah, blah, blah. But uh, my issue with this is I will refuse to say he has higher upside until I see consistent volume. That's it. And, like, with Harris there, I just don't think it happens. I just don't. I actually be looking to move Harris in the offseason because of Stevenson, and I think that being more of a split backfield. But yeah, we could see what happens. Like, that's the thing. Like, with Stevenson, he's a phenomenal stash, you know? But let's not get ahead of ourselves. He's not taking over the backfield or anything. Yeah, I, I to be honest, Todd, Devonta Williams is too expensive to go up and get right now. Like, I know we talked about him last week. I think people love him. I, I find him hard to acquire. His, his price is high. He... A lot of places, he's the RB7 or R8 right now. I know he's your RB9, but he is tough to go get. Tough to go get, despite his production, uh, which has just been RB2-ish, if that. Uh, but Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is a good pivot. Now, it's tough to do after an RB2 week, which he just did. But I if I think Ramondre Stevenson is a decent pivot to go get versus Javonta Williams. I, think, I like that price difference in Ramondre Stevenson versus Javonta Williams because... I think they're both having very good seasons based on their volume. That's a fair take. If you're looking for a rebuild, I think Stevenson is a pretty good target. Um, I just think that Williams is clearly going to be a lead back and has top 12 potential. With Stevenson, 
We'll be lucky if he's top 24. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I Javante Williams has RB top he, RB eight overall upside. Yeah. Marty Stevenson. He's going to be, you're, you're going to be happy if he's an, uh, a high end RB two, if he gets everything falls right. And the thing about Williams too, is like I said last week is that, yeah, he's expensive, but he's just going to get more expensive. So that's the point. Yeah, you wait till you wait till Damon Harris like comes back, has a couple of weeks where Her- where Ramondre's the like has a thirty percent opportunity to share. That's when you go get him. Now you can't go get him after this week. Hundred percent, hundred percent true. All right, Davey, another good one. Tell the good people where they can find you. You can find me at FF, at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine on Patreon. And Todd, this was a fun freaking week, dude. I needed this. Been a busy week. I know it's been a busy week for you, man. And uh, I know you mentioned this last episode, but this is really a highlight of my week, dude. Uh, really enjoy talking to you about fancy, and, and and it's it. This is this is how we interact, dude. And it's a lot of fun. Couldn't echo that more. Honestly, you're looking for something fun to do? Talk to one of your best friends. Start a freaking podcast. It's a blast. You can find me at ff underscore banterman on the Twitter machine. I got some rankings over at the IDP, guys. But the best way, the best way to connect with me is just slide into those DMs, baby. Ask me a question. Sit start, rankings, C2C, maybe even a high school prospect. You let me know. We'll start some banter. Until then. Todd, you missed out a thing. High school, dude, freaking Potterpuff. Like, uh... (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what level, dude. Like uh, fourth grade doesn't matter. Todd will give you some, uh, give you opinion. Yeah, man. I mean, I got out on the field today and I scouted, and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Uh, there's they a didn't pass the yeah, they didn't pass the snuff today, huh? I, hey, man. I had I had three tackles. I was good. You know, I was doing plenty of blocking. I put a kid on his butt. You know, it's a good time. It got a little physical out there on the powder buff field. You put his head on the side of Mister Foster's head, and I mean. Put his hand on the side of my head. Mr. Foster had to make sure he got get had to go down. You know? Dude, playing against high school kids in any sport is one of the best parts of our jobs, Todd. I, <laughs> I got play. Yeah. For, with coaching, we played a lot. We play a lot of ultimate frisbee for recovery on recovery days, like two, three times a year. Yeah. Or I mean, a season. It's effing phenomenal. Like I look forward to ultimate frisbee days. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what All you're right. throwing down. All right, everybody. Peace out.